0: So our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities.
1: We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening.
2: Hello, 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 my friends. Here we are yet again. How goes it?
0: Here comes the boy. Welcome.
1: That's what you sounded like just now. It did sound a little bit like that. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's like some weird sound from TikTok that there
0: for some is. reason has gone
1: viral.
2: Hello, boy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Sorry, not sorry. Anyway, we're
0: just getting in the Halloween I'm doing mood. Good, though. Halloween
1: mood for next week. That's what
0: I'm we,
2: doing. We is yeah. So what are y'all drinking?
1: I am drinking a
2: Dreamland
1: American Lager from Rogue Brewing Company in Newport, Oregon. And it is delicious. I don't skate, but I could totally see this being a part of like being down at the skate park and being like, "Mm, I'm going to crack this little guy open, which actually I guess that's (coughs) probably illegal now that I'm thinking about it. Mm. Um, But this is like skate park themed and like the proceeds go to. Oh. Building skate parks. I was just reading on the can. So wow. that's kinda cool. Welcome to Dreamland, everyone. That's pretty oh, nice.
2: How nice.
1: I like that.
0: Very I'm,
2: nice.
1: I'm back
0: on Jeremiah Johnson's honey bison tonight. Ah. Oh. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Good soup. Mm-hmm. Good. good soup. <laughs> that's my favorite gif right now, Adam
1: Driver.
2: Good soup. That is a good one. Yeah. That is a good one.
1: Anyway. What about you, Emily?
2: I am you know, Steven gave me a hard time for being in the summer vibe last episode. Uh so I'm all fall uh, right now. I am drinking a nice, hot, steeping cup of apple cider. Mm. Nice. Yes.
0: Nice. Yes. That is very fall-like. Is it adult cider or just...
2: It is adult cider.
0: Nice.
2: Mm-hmm. How do you make mm-hmm. it
1: adulty? What do you do to it?
2: Um. So I add more cinnamon in it because... It's not cinnamony enough. Um, and then I also add a little tiny bit of fireball.
1: Oh, wow. And an X rating, of course. Um- mm, <laughs>
3: mm, mm, huh.
1: I wonder if you like heated up Angry Orchards, mm. if it would like Ew. be good. Ew. No, no. Well, okay, but y- you know what though? Like what's the difference between putting like a bunch of fireball in apple cider like wouldn't it be better if the apple cider itself was already hard and warm
2: no but you're changing like the <laughs> chemi- you're kind of changing like the chemical makeup of it
1: no you're just warming it you're but not like you're no. changing
2: you're, you're changing
1: it you're, you're changing wrong. it you're the one who's adding a fu- shot of fireball into apple cider
2: adding i don't know something adding something is different than okay. heating something that shouldn't be Listen. hot
0: Judge not lest ye be judged. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um at the top of the show, do we have any announcements before Emily ooh, kicks ooh, us
1: off? Oh, I do have an announcement. Um this is very exciting. Although if you follow us on social media, you already know about this. Today, like the day that we're recording. So this is old news now, whatever. So um but as today, of October 6th. Kay? As of October 6th, beginning of October, because of you all, we just passed 10,000 Downloads, which is a pretty major milestone oh, in my opinion. This is very That's true. pretty cool. This is a big ooh, deal. Ooh. Ten
0: thousand yeah. overall in a year. So thank you, yes. thank you, everyone has been along for the what ride. What is that
1: an average of? I don't know. I don't know what, how math works. Um, Ten thousand <laughs> divided by three sixty five. An average of twenty seven people listen to us a day. An average of one point one four people listen to us every hour. So if you are part of that one point one four people who listen to us. Thank you.
3: Wow. Consider
0: upping your pledge this year on Patreon.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Ravel>
1: oh, <Pot. laughs>
3: uh,
1: But seriously, thank you. Like That's pretty cool. Uh, 10,000 downloads is a milestone. Yeah. However quickly it we is. get there. That's awesome.
2: And we are so grateful for all of you and for those who leave reviews and for those who are chatting with us on the Discord. Y'all make this so worthwhile. Uh, truly, we are so, so grateful.
1: Also, if you're so, just joining us for the first time, uh, Stephen and I literally have no idea what we're about to talk about. So take it away, Emily. true. Uh,
2: well, so on that note, uh, <laughs> Stephen's last episode, you know, talking about guilt uh, was a very hefty topic. And I really am glad that we talked about it because the Methodist in me uh, immediately was like, oh, what we have not talked about yet, and it's like so pivotal, I think, in Christianity, is grace. The topic of grace. Oh, wow. I love
0: this. Yeah. Okay. All right.
2: Yeah. I would like to start. It's a little different. Okay. I would like to... T- I want to hear from both of you. Um, A time where you received grace and you felt like... Mm. you had not deserved it. And I'm not referring to just like Jesus. Okay. Like outside of that, like whether from family or friends and there is literally a baby's butt in my face right now.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's like a left turn. Oh, the baby's here.
2: The baby's here. Hi, Thea. We're talking about grace.
1: I love this prompt. Josh, do you have any stories at the top of your head? Well, A, I think this is the cutest guest host we've ever had on. Hello, Thea. This is, this is very possible. Um, man, well, I wish I did. Well, actually, no, okay. Um, first example that came to the top of my head was, like, more in a professional setting rather than a church setting. I, I'm pretty active on Twitter, and I like to reply to lots of different things that I'm interested in, and uh, a reporter DM'd me, like, a couple months ago. Did I tell you about this? Mm-hmm. Okay, I did tell you guys about this. Wait, have I told it on the show? Maybe I have. No, no. not on the show. You you told me when
0: we were road tripping to Cody to meet Emily. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay.
1: Uh, So the short of it is is I got DM'd by a reporter and it was like, hey, I see you work in the service industry in Washington and I'd love to interview you for a piece I'm doing about like uh, vaccinations and like working in the service industry during COVID. And I was like, heck yeah, like I will gladly give my opinion as someone who clearly loves talking and like giving opinions. Um, so I like did this interview and then in the middle of the interview, he goes, so where do you work at? And I was like, oh shoot, I didn't even think you were going to ask that. I don't know why I didn't think that you were going to ask where I worked. And I was like, oh man, well like, I'm not like a spokesperson and like, I know that there's like social media policies and like, I started like, like mentally backpedaling and being like, oh man, maybe this, maybe I should not have made this move. Like I am not a marketing person or a like a head of a department or anything, I'm like not anybody important who like really has authority to speak and be like, yeah, I work at this place. This is what it's like.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: And then like the conversation like progressed a little bit more from there. And and I even gave like a little bit of a disclaimer in that conversation. And, and then I like went to go talk to my boss about it. And um, because of our policies, my boss had to go talk to her boss. And then it came back down to me. And it kind of like turned into like a little bit of a a thing where like I became very aware of like, Ooh, I'm like, I unintentionally put us at risk by me naming where I work at when I am not an Mm. official spokesperson for the company. And it's like a, in an official press manner versus like I just work at a generic coffee shop somewhere, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I don't think I, I didn't like step out of, I didn't like say anything extremely unprofessional or like Mm. anything that would like come back to bite me or the company, even though I technically broke a policy. And I just, like, felt so aware of that. And, like, I felt so graciously, professionally held and, like,
3: mm, and in, mm-hmm. in a way,
1: like, forgiven. Like, so you did this thing. Um, this is not the way we normally do things. We're going to, like, help you graciously fix this. And don't do that again.
2: Mm, wow. That was a very good story.
1: Yeah. I just, like, it, it's kind of like an atypical example of, like, professional environment being a part of giving grace to people like when you yeah. mess up but in that moment i just like felt so conscious of like ooh, i put my foot where i should not have and now my foot's in my mouth
2: what i appreciate about that story is it's like an everyday experience like don't get me wrong i love the huge grand moments mm. you know like those mm-hmm. aha <gasps> uh-huh, you know the clouds parting kind of moments but i also deeply appreciate those moments, Josh, like those mm. moments of just like your everyday work life, your everyday family life, school life, whatever the case may be, because mm. I think we tend to overlook those when we talk about grace. Like, we, mm. I think we immediately want to think of those huge, deep moments where it's so pivotal. And yet, mm. these moments in our everyday life can be pivotal when it comes to grace, too. So, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Stephen.
0: I remember in high school, my family, like when we moved to the Laurel area, I I always told people I lived in Laurel, but in reality, I lived like a 30-minute drive to the nearest gas station from our house. Like I was in the middle of nowhere on many gravel roads and whatnot. So in high school, when I... Got my license and stuff, I liked to utilize that freedom as much as possible. And naturally being, you know, 15, 16, I had curfews and I was very often not good at honoring those curfews,
3: Um <laughs> mostly
0: because like around this time I had started to date Dixie and we would... I was just going to say that, of course you were. Be, yeah. So that's, that's of course a factor that was on my parents' minds the whole time. So like... Mm-hmm.
3: The curfew was Mm -hmm. set
0: and I would very often like stretch it as far as possible and then probably drive home dangerously fast to try and make it. But very often I just failed to make it. (laughs) And, you know, like the first few times my parents were straight up like, hey, look, we told you this curfew. You're getting used to it. We're cool. But as like I kept dishonoring the rule, eventually, of course, it became like, okay, you don't get access to the keys for a week or whatever, you know, like we'll drive you to school or you have to take the bus because there was a bus that came out to our area, but that wasn't nearly as fun for me because I was a high schooler who thought I was an adult. And I thought I like knew how the world worked. And I, I just remember a few times, like I would come home late and my dad would be sitting on the couch in the living room. You know, that classic, like
2: turns on the lamp. Dang it.
0: Yeah. No, literally exactly that. Uh, yay. and I, re- I remember two events in particular where like I did that and we talked about what I was doing why I was late and all this and two times in particular he said like well you know what happens next right and I you know I would I held out the keys and I'm like yeah I don't get these he's like yes but this time this is what grace feels like and he's like you know what you did but grace is like I'm not even going to honor my own punishment for you in this moment. Right. Just like do better, Mm, you know? mm -hmm. And those two times in particular, like I feel like it really worked because it actually inspired me to do better. Instead of responding to punishment, it was the kind of thing where I was like, well, I know what I deserved, but it's kind of confusing that I didn't get it.
2: Yeah. Ooh, I like that. You're, I don't want to say resulting, but you're, the, I guess, the product of you not being punished and your dad being able to say, you know what you did was wrong. I, I, I can't even, like, give you the punishment that you deserve. And the fact that you said that that worked speaks volumes. And I wonder if we get that same feeling, truly, if we get that same feeling as Christians when it comes to our relationship and grace with God. Hmm. Because like I had mentioned in the guilt episode, I think there are times where we just kind of brush it off and we say, oh, yeah, like I'm forgiven. Like, it's okay. I can just continue to try my best, you know, air quotes, sort of speak. Do we actually feel like it's working to where we feel motivated and pushed to be better Hmm. and not just take this little gift? (laughs) I say that lightly. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I think every youth pastor wants to get across to us that that ought to be our response to grace. Like, I feel like that's what we talked about most often in my youth group is like just trying to wrap our head around the fact that grace is forever in Christianity, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you only accept it. And I, I wonder if the, uh, you know, cause like I, I think of like very poignant, like cry nights of worship or. Mm -hmm. You know, even the first moment, I think that I probably decided I was a Christian. It was an overwhelming sense of grace, but because that's an event, like it takes, I mean, this is, this of course is what Christians mean when they talk about discipleship is just like, how do you get that baked so deep in that it's an everyday reality instead of something you can almost look back on with
1: nostalgia for, you know,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Emily, what is it that. Prompts you to be thinking about grace recently? Um,
2: hmm, that's a really good question. I think part of it is coming back into work from maternity leave. You know, I had some parishioners where they were almost like harping on me, I guess, so to speak, because there were things that did not get done either before my maternity leave or even during my maternity leave. And It almost felt as if, like, I was being punished, sort of speak, Mm. and I was reflecting with my secretary a little bit about, like, how do you handle those moments where you feel like you deserve, like, a little bit of grace, like, a little bit of uh, space or time uh, to say that, hey, it's okay that you fell short in this instance, And that is a very extreme example. I get that. Um, But in that moment, like it was very frustrating for me. I had received a ton of books, which, Stephen, I still need to mail you. I have the book. I found it in the box. I'll just send it to you. Well, Um, so
0: here's the thing is I just proved how short of a drive it actually is to Cody. Maybe I should just come over on a weekend or something.
2: (gasps) Oh, that would be so fun. Yes, we will plan that. Um, So I received... A ton of books from a pastor who had passed away, and I had the joy of doing his funeral. And all these boxes of books have been piled up in the church. And I I know that it's like unsightly to see like all these U Haul boxes full of books. I was on maternity leave, I was, you know, 36, 37, 38 weeks pregnant. And then afterwards, like having a C-section can't really do a whole lot. I wasn't even allowed to push a vacuum Mm. for three weeks. Mm. And so to come back and to have someone kind of abruptly just be like, these boxes were never moved. When are you going to get this done? Um, Do you know how unsightly they are? Like they just bring down the place. And it was in that moment where I was like, I just had a baby. (laughs) Like, Mm. not only did I just have a baby, I had a baby in a way that meant that my recovery was going to take longer than I would have liked. I would have loved to have been able to just go down to the church and start moving around these 30, 40 pound plus boxes of books and get them out of the way. I would have loved to have the time to do that. When I'm not even allowed to push a vacuum, when I'm not even allowed to go up and down the stairs, it makes it a little hard to want to get things done and to be productive. And so, it was one of those things where coming back into the reality of work, that grace, I guess, was not there. And I, hmm. it made me realize, you know, there are moments, I'm sure, in our journey, in our faith journey, that we feel like that grace really isn't there.
0: I've always heard grace framed as unmerited favor from God.
2: I'm so glad you bring that up, Stephen. Would you like to hear the Book of Discipline's definition of grace oh. from the United Methodist Church?
0: Oh, yes, please.
2: Okay. The Book of Discipline defines grace as the undeserved, unmerited, and loving action of God in human existence through the ever-present Holy Spirit. Mm. Grace pervades all of creation and is universally present. This is, this is what I love. Grace is not a gift that God packages and bestows on us and creation. Grace is God's presence to create, heal, forgive, reconcile, and transform human hearts, communities, and the entire creation. Wherever God is present, there is grace.
1: I have a question. Why Ah, do we call it the word grace and not just love? Like, I feel like a lot Mm. of humans, a lot of Christians, like, use the term ubiquitously and like without definition and like, it's just assumed that we know what grace is. But like anytime I hear someone try to give a definition of grace or even that last one, like I don't know what most Christians conceptualize of the difference between like grace versus love, like in its truest form.
2: Oh yeah. I never even thought of that.
1: Really? Oh, I think about that all the time. (laughs) What, like, would you say that there's a difference? I would say there is a difference. Okay. And what would be the primary way that there is a difference between grace and love? Because like, like part of like where I'm coming from is like, I think the Bible talks a lot about love and the amount of the Bible that talks about grace, like using that word or like the word that has now been translated into English is Mm -hmm. definitely less than the amount it talks about love. And that's not to say like we shouldn't talk about it. Mm. Um, It is a very Pauline word. It's very
0: Paul-like. It is, yeah. yeah.
2: I would say, I think you can show grace to someone without loving them, like without having love for them. Hmm. But I can't love someone without showing them grace.
0: Like, that that almost just sounds procedural. Like an obligation to forgive is the kind of grace that you give without loving.
1: Like a doctor can give a prescription, but just because he gives a prescription or she? It doesn't mean that the doctor actually likes the person or loves the person. Yeah, like right. Is that kind of what you're getting at?
2: In a sense. I mean, I don't love. And again, maybe it's the use of the word love. And I'm reminded of like the Greek words for love. I love Chinese food, but I also love my husband. I don't love them the same.
0: I love. Right. I love that. Well, I just used the word there, but I love that your accent was. There's grace I, for that.
1: I love. <laughs>
0: it's. I love Chinese food. <laughs> And I also love my husband instead of the other way around. That's very funny to me.
1: <laughs> um, but I think people use the word grace the same way. Like, yeah. for mm, instance, like mm-hmm. people like like to use that phrase. There's grace for that. But I feel like what most people mean is like there's room for error or forgiveness. And then mm, yeah. other people mean it as like like quoting Paul being like uh, you were saved by grace through faith. And we just like act like we know what that means without like sure. defining our terms. Yeah,
2: it's a nice filler word as a Christian. I do
0: think of the concept of like landlords offering their tenants a grace period to pay their rent at the beginning of the month. Right.
3: Like Mm
2: -hmm. mm,
0: room for error feels pretty spot on, Josh. Yeah. And also, I guess, of course, Paul resonates with a concept like grace. If grace is different than love, because here's the guy who was literally murdering Christians the day before his encounter on the road and something inspires him to completely change and repent.
1: (laughs) Josh? (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Paul definitely has an invested interest in grace as a concept.
0: Yeah, the unmerited favor of God to
1: say, you know what you deserve. You killed my people. You know, that's a really good point because Jesus doesn't really talk about grace a lot. He talks a lot about love.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. (gasps) Now I'm breathing heavily <laughs> <laughs> is, is grace a word
0: think? we use to theologize about the way jesus was living was jesus doing the thing where he That's was i was just gonna say he was preaching his theology through his action and when necessary using words but he wasn't using the like he was defining grace by his words and not i don't know like maybe grace just is the way jesus operates of mm. course the definition says so right
1: that emily just gave us Mm -hmm. I also think of like someone acting with beauty, like a graceful ballerina. Oh,
2: oh, that's a lovely image.
1: Yeah. And so I feel like that kind of connects to kind of what you're getting at, Stephen, that like our conscious choice to act in grace towards other humans Mm -hmm. can be a very beautiful display. Mm. Something that goes like I almost think of like someone who just like goes above and beyond, like not just like turning the other cheek, but like. Oh, I saw a TikTok yesterday about uh, like what it feels like when one of your friends remembers your allergies, even if all they have to offer you is rice cakes. Like it's the thought that counts. It's it's the people who are like mm, constantly thinking mm-hmm. about other people in a graceful way.
0: Firsthand experience, I can say that that is it. It is a very nice thing when somebody offers me something I know I'm allergic to, and then one of my best friends is like, "No, he's allergic to that." Like to me, it's yeah. just like, "Oh my gosh!" They think of me and they're paying attention right now
1: to my needs and my
0: comfortability. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it is very
1: touching. Emily, I want to return to what you were talking about like with the relationship between grace and love because I'm yeah. not I'm not sure if I agree with your statement or not. Can you say can you say it again? Here's a question that might help us
2: Yeah, go ahead.
0: narrow down on an answer is Emily, the the four Greek words for love, if grace Yeah is synonymous with one of them, which
1: one is it? Ooh, I like that.
2: Agape. Agapai. Agapal.
1: What is that one? Brotherly love or something? No, unconditional. Oh, unconditional.
3: Mm.
2: God's love. Unconditional. It's that big, huge umbrella love that Mm. holds all the other loves together. It's what I have tattooed on my arm. Yes, I am that person. It's true. If you don't like it, you can come fight me. We've mocked you already <laughs> for
0: it. It's fine. Okay. So if Grace is like agape, I kind of see where Josh is coming from, though, because like I think of unconditional love as just kind of the waters we're swimming in. Okay. I guess like the reformed tradition would call this, oh, there's like prevenient Grace
3: Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. I
0: forgot about those terms. And then the yeah. other one, there's like the grace that They're continues to There's
2: sanctifying this, grace. Yeah. Pervenient grace. So, pervenient
0: grace is the one that just says like, yeah, the universe is fallen, but I'll let it co- continue to exist. So, I think of I man, that gets confusing then because that pervenient grace is kind of what I'm trying to call unconditional love, whereas like my dad offering me grace for continually dishonoring his curfew and his rules for me. Like that grace was prompted by a specific event. Whereas I don't think unconditional love necessarily has to be prompted. It just is.
2: So, okay. So it might help if we, for those who are listening, who are like, whoa, wait, what, what are you talking about? So in at least the Methodist tradition, for sure, uh, John Wesley was a huge propeller for the three Different types of grace. There's prevenient grace, uh, justifying or saving grace, um, and then sanctifying grace. So prevenient oh. grace is grace that goes before. That's what prevenient means. It means to come or go before. And this is basically the grace that's it's present. Like it was there before we were. It'll always remain mm-hmm. there. Justifying. Or saving grace is what John Wesley would say is like the doorway to a new identity or like a new creation. It's another word for pardon or forgiveness. And then sanctifying grace is grace that moves beyond forgiveness and acceptance. Mm. It would be, I don't want to say this, we as the believer are made holy in response to justifying grace does that does that make sense it's grace that's perfecting us like actively so that's what we are talking about so
0: would you say emily that all three of these like if you if you package them all together these three definitions of grace that that just is unconditional love is that what you're getting at where it's it's like a yeah. it's like a rectangle square square rectangle Thing.
2: Yeah, so like if grace, so grace, it, like so pervenient grace would be like the porch of a house and then huh. justifying grace would be the doorway and then sanctifying grace would be the rooms within the house and within like God's presence. So like they're leading into one another. And I think love surrounds that.
0: The address of the house is Love Street. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Rose.
0: sorry josh what do you think about about these parsings this
1: well okay yeah this is one of those academicized theology things that hey i have an mdiv okay I no know, i know you do i know you do uh but like the, i think this is a great example of one of those things that it is totally developed extradited from the biblical text trying to extrapolate like okay obviously like God loves us and like loves to Grace and like how do these things actually have mechanism and function in our lives? Oh, these affect us. Uh, before we know that we're saved, it affects us to know that we're saved. It affects us after that. And I get how like we in academic settings, like we just have a tendency to create typology and like linearness. Like sociology is the exact same way. Like you're not a good sociologist unless you haven't created a a good typology that has like six or seven different breakdowns, right? And I feel like that this grace thing is a great example of that for me here is because like like we pointed out earlier, the term grace is like mostly in Paul's letters. It's Mm -hmm. mostly talked about by one person and not even the person that Christians claim to follow. And yet it's like become so highlighted in a number of theological traditions, like not just Wesleyanism, not just Reformed calvinism like everyone loves to talk about grace and have a monopoly on like what types of grace are there like
3: how Mm. does grace
1: enter our lives and it like becomes this whole narrative when it's mentioned in the text just as much as if not less than other things in the text i don't know i think that that's why i struggle with it a little bit and like i'm i myself am interested in like what is the difference and relationship between grace and love like are they synonymous are they slightly different is this one precede the other like i do think stuff like that's interesting but then mm. like i don't know it's hard for me to have the grace <laughs>
3: nice for
1: <laughs> for um like trying to overcomplicate and like over academicize things that i think in the biblical text seem more like a heuristic like a rule of thumb
3: mm-hmm. oh
1: if someone wrongs you well think about how to not wrong them back. Well, does it mean turning your cheek so they can hit you again? Or does it mean carrying their pack another mile when they only had the authority to make you carry it one mile? Jesus gives us like lots of these different thought experiments. And then Paul is much more likely to get really abstract and in the weeds and the theology. And maybe that's why he talks about grace so much. And he's trying to like, be reasonable. <laughs> like kind of like we talked about a couple episodes ago, like trying to show that like you can actually think about these things intelligently and mm-hmm. with reason, but I, it's, it's harder for me to latch onto those things these days from being honest.
0: I, I also kind of think that Paul is a lot more of a mystic theologian than we give him credit for. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and, and maybe mm-hmm. grace is like a really nice mystical term for what's happening in our relationship with God with yeah. the divine
1: we're going to take a quick break to say a few thank yous then we'll be back to our conversation thank you to our generous patrons for sponsoring this episode of the podcast y'all are such a huge encouragement to us if you'd like to support future episodes of ravel visit patreon.com ravelpod or by tapping the link in the show notes
2: Thank you to everyone who is giving five-star ratings and thoughtful reviews on Apple Podcasts and to everyone who contributes to our weekly discussions at Ravel Pod on Instagram and Twitter.
0: And of course, much love to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music in full color.
2: And thank you to
1: the Highline Media Network for having us as one of their founding podcasts. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, No Normal People.
0: For the flourishing of humanity, like drawing us toward that instead of pushing yeah. us toward that.
2: And wow. because God is is ahead and God is luring us in that kind of way, God's judgment is not something that comes down on us. Because in in the next moment, mm. we God is drawing us again. And so the only judgment of God is in that moment of mourning when you choose when you might not choose what is most loving and good and creative. But in that exact next moment, God is there again, drawing you.
1: And now, back to the conversation. Here's a question
0: then, Josh. So if if grace is the New Testament word for what probably love is, and always has been, is mercy the same as grace? Because that's the Old Testament word for it.
1: Ooh. Wait, say that again? Is grace the New Testament word for mercy?
0: Yeah, maybe. Because like... I feel like a lot of the same concepts in the old Testament are wrapped into the word mercy or however they get that gets translated out of the Hebrew.
3: Hmm.
1: So I, I'm reminded of the, the seminal work, Jonah, a VeggieTales movie. (laughs) Uh, And. Okay. (laughs) I was literally thinking about this earlier because in the movie they try to give like this really summed version of like mercy and grace and i even remember as a kid thinking like them giving these definitions i was like wait those are like basically the same thing like you just used different words and those sound exactly the same like i don't remember what they said exactly but it was like one was like don't you give someone more than they deserve and then the other one was like you don't give someone what they deserve and i was like that's basically synonymous.
0: Like that's covering both th- that's sides. That's pretty of the coin. semantic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the positive and the negative. Don't do that. Yeah, do that. literally. Yeah, one's just like Same put outcome. in a
1: positive light. Yeah, maybe. One's well, yeah. Like I guess you could say like one is like positive reinforcement, and the other one's like negative reinforcement. You withhold, and the other one you give. So yeah. I could see an argument being made there. I feel like with grace is usually, actually okay. I don't hate that definition. Now that I'm like thinking about that more, <laughs> like great. <laughs> nice nice <laughs> oh, I love it when I start to disagree with myself in the same 60 minutes so <laughs> do we it means we're learning
2: we are
1: we are raveling out um, oh, okay well from a psychological perspective positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement are different like if anyone's taken a psych 101 class like you've learned about classical conditioning and they're both really similar
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they're both different than punishment right um, I think a lot of people tend to confuse like negative reinforcement with punishment, but negative reinforcement is withholding. That would be mercy. A reward. Well, no, actually, no. oh no, it yeah, would not I guess be it's, mercy. it's not the same as withholding punishment. It's no. it's withholding. Well, no, no, it is. It's with it's withholding reward. It's like a little bit more neutral, even though it sounds negative. Yeah. It's usually like the removal of a response. Mm-hmm. Like ignoring is a great example, versus positive reinforcement might be more equivocal to grace, like the act of giving something good. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's not exactly what the Bible writers had in mind when they were talking about those two concepts.
0: So this is the question that Emily gave me while she was telling her story about like the the book boxes in the church is, Emily, you have, in my mind, a rightful feeling of like, okay, come on, I just gave birth. Like, Give me some grace, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Is it grace when it's given and is it mercy when it's asked for? Mm. Because like I I think of Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's not have grace on me, a sinner. Like the grace is the, is, is like presumed.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Like we know that God gives grace, but we ask for mercy. And I, I guess I kind of feel like that's what Josh, that's what you're, you were headed toward is like, it's the one you ask for versus the one that's already given.
2: And I uh, mm, see I'm wrestling with that because when I think of mercy, I'm thinking of, you know, it's this kindness and compassion that's shown when one has offended or or done something wrong. And maybe in this case, like I technically did something wrong by like not looking through the boxes before i went on maternity leave but also you committed
0: a sin of omission
2: i i sure did you know but at the same time it's one of those where like the like the grace like should have been there like it like it was one of those moments where it was like obvious what the situation was yeah taking place and yet well
0: so see like are we allowed to say that grace should be there or is that Just the instance where you just like ask for mercy, right? Because if it's undeserved, who are we to say, who are we to say that grace is like, as soon as you say, like, there should be grace in this moment. Like, yeah, I agree as a third party observer, but like, if you feel, if you feel entitled to grace, is it actually unmerited and undeserved?
2: Mm Mm hmm. I think we need to expand that to all of Christendom.
0: (laughs) In which case, yeah, Josh, I don't know. Maybe we're just like in the weeds of like, these are the uh, ac- academicized words that we all use for kind
1: of squishy co- concepts. I mean, we have to call them something though. So I, I yeah. get how we get there. And in this case, I feel like the appropriate use of the
0: word was, Emily, you would ask for mercy. I don't know. Would you, would you ask for mercy and just be like, look. It didn't get done. We can both clearly agree on that because the books are still there. But, like, please relent. (laughs) Please (laughs) relent on the criticism. (laughs) Is that asking for mercy?
2: I guess, in a sense, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I still want to use the word grace, though, but it's... It wouldn't be. This is... uh, This is tough. And I guess, like, I mainly, you know, bring this up because I wonder if there are people who are struggling with their faith identity and and struggling with Christianity because, yes, there's the side of trying to be overly academic and having concepts that kind of should be easy to understand go way above our heads. But I also think it's when we have those moments of, hey, like, grace should be there, and yet someone says, oh no, like you don't deserve it, or you know what I'm saying? Like when we when we go about treating people as if they don't deserve (laughs) grace or they don't deserve mercy or they don't deserve love or whatever the case may be, like that Mm. can be a turnoff when Mm. we're trying to preach the idea of grace and mercy and love, but we're not actually extending that. Like our actions are not speaking of that.
3: Mm. Mm.
1: You make me think of uh, two things. One I think the whole concept of grace and like if if Christians are really going to argue for like grace being a core concept over love or like grace, like somehow being separate from love or whatever it is, I think that the concept of grace is really good support for Greg Boyd's view of accommodationism, that God gives us grace Mm. and accommodates our incorrect beliefs Mm. in a way that will draw us to a more complete understanding of God. Yeah. Assuming that, like we will always be incorrect, we will always be flawed, we will always be making mistakes. Whether that is in our cognition, our behavior, our relationships to ourselves or to other people, and I think if like someone's going to believe in grace, I think they should believe in the idea of accommodation. Mm. Also, universalism. Maybe universalism, even like, maybe. yeah, maybe.
0: Do you think God accommodates the belief that we deserve
1: hell? I think personally I do. And that
0: maybe grace is the entire concept we've dreamed up to help us like move into the realm of, oh, we never deserved hell. That's never what this was about for God.
3: Mm.
1: Or even if we did quote unquote deserve it. Yeah, because of like equal opportunity. Yeah, or whatever. man. Deserve well, is a very sticky <laughs> that, word. It's a super weird word, man. <laughs> that like God <laughs> didn't desire that. Yeah. Right. Right. Or something along those lines.
0: And as long as we're also talking about things we do, we will or will not deserve. Like
1: mm-hmm. I
0: like my favorite Paul is the one that says in Adam, I'll die and in Christ, I'll live because like if we also didn't have a choice in adam's event like what if god just doesn't want to give us the choice and be like yeah yeah man i'm gonna reconcile the entire (laughs) universe to myself i will accommodate your bad false beliefs in hell Mm. and i will gather all to myself but
1: okay so even though i think that about like the whole theologizing thing this brings me to the other side of the coin that i'm thinking about with uh the other extreme that i think christians go to in not having or like i think like sometimes christians don't give grace to people like emily maybe your example is a good example of that of like everyday life like sometimes it's just easy to not give people some slack or Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. recognize the context read the room but then there's like the other extreme that some christians go to where like we just like let abusers off the cuff and like yeah barely even Mm. give them a slap on the wrist like I am not entirely clear about all the ramifications of what's going on in the SBC right now with the executive committee and all of that kind of drama that's happening. Right. But like people keep bringing up the Josh Duggar case as like a, a really big implication of like this whole like, client attorney privilege thing that they're going through. Mm. And like, like the way that Josh Duggars and countless other people's cases have been handled by the denomination barely had any ramifications on that individual and, like, didn't report to the police mm-hmm. illegal actions that were actively harming people at the time. And uh, I think that that can be a really toxic view of grace. Like, that's yeah. not actually helping the people who are currently being hurt, even though, like, they, they are doing a good job humanizing the perpetrator, which I do think is possible, while also holding people accountable. Like, I'm kind of interested mm-hmm. in, like, what does it mean to quote unquote have grace and love someone when they've clearly done wrong and you yourself believe that they can be forgiven and restored and rehabilitated. Right. But, but not going to the extreme of like not removing them and Uh, like not letting it happen anymore. Yeah. Enabling future. Yeah. Enabling. That's a good word. Hmm. Like what does grace look like? Like I don't think grace always like, and this is coming from someone who like, At the end of the day, like regardless of like how my theology changes, like I totally believe in healing. Like I believe everyone Mm -hmm. can't. Like I'm not gonna say deserves a second chance because I think that that's a really weird word. (laughs) But like I think given a second chance and given grace and forgiveness, for lack of a better word, because I'm I can't think of a better word right now. I think given those things, people do improve. Like that is the basis of positive psychology and positive reinforcement, and like that is absolutely that's pretty grounded scientifically. Currently, like that's what we're finding to the best of our ability that like the more you encourage, like the more you lead with encouragement and positive forward thinking rather than punishment and withdrawal, Mm. that actually does make people change. Mm -hmm. But like, how do you balance that with not enabling abuse?
2: It is a very delicate balance, I think.
1: Yeah. It feels like an ultra
0: trite or way too easy answer to say like, this might be what the American church is lacking now that we've kind of lost our grip on what discipleship is. Mm. Because in my mind, like discipleship is very much a one-on-one relationship that offers the disciple, essentially someone like watching after them, paying attention to their actions, paying attention to their words, paying attention to the consequences of their actions and words. And, gently doing the work of pointing out the blind spots Mm. it's almost like that iron sharpens iron kind of thing where like of course it's going to take hard conversations and it's going to require extreme vulnerability and trust but yeah i don't know that just sounds like discipleship is the cure for yeah we want to give grace to the person who perpetrates sin because who would we be if we didn't offer the same grace that we believe god does Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, and also let's work together. It's it's almost like, let me take you under my wing and I will show you what I've learned about what it means to follow Jesus and we'll do it together, you know? Yeah.
1: I'm reminded of this uh, book that I think I've mentioned on the pod before. Uh, it's this book called Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. And you're just making me think about how it's so easy for people to like write people off based off of a single action mm. or even a business. Like I was, I was just thinking about that as you were talking to Stephen. like, like you judge an entire place by like your one cross section of an experience. And that's a different mindset than like being unoffendable and like erring on the side of grace, almost like you would err on the side of caution. Mm. Yeah. But I also mm-hmm. think it's self-perpetuating like coming at it from like a customer service perspective like if you tell someone like hey sorry about the wait I'll be right with you. Like mm-hmm. I know this is taking a little bit longer but then like the like the more you reach out in like a graceful way, someone can't help but like be graceful back. Usually.
2: Usually we do have those select few <coughs> karens.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but I like the whole idea of like being unoffendable and I, I've really resonated with Brant Hansen's book along those lines, and it's it is really striking to me to notice how a lot of Christians are not that way. Like as much as Christians yeah. like to talk about grace, it's really really easy for Christians to get caught up in single issue theological voting, <laughs> mm. <laughs> or like just writing off an entire group of people,
3: yeah,
2: or
1: like hyper generalizing a group of people, and mm. not like leaving room for. Grace.
2: That's what uh, that's what frustrates me so much is words like grace and mercy and love and compassion, they're words that are so easy to throw out there and to put on t-shirts and to put on, Mm -hmm. you know, albums of Christian CDs and all this jazz. And yet it's like, where is that though in your life? Like where where are you actually living into that in your everyday life cuz Josh i think you're right it is not as prominent as christians would like to think it is and what do we like how what do we do with that like do we call people out like do we have do we have the room to do that or like how do we go about that how do we do we change that is that where we just say okay like just ignore these people or what do we do
1: hmm. along the same lines? I think it's also really difficult to like have grace on yourself. Like I was thinking about this in our last episode, Stephen. like with guilt, I think in some ways you could define guilt that way. Like when you are not going easy on yourself,
3: mm-hmm. wow. like guilt
1: is like one end of the spectrum from grace in wow. terms of like a, like a personal relationship with mm-hmm. yourself.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I've definitely been in that boat before. And like, I even like catch myself like having these micro moments of being like, oh, man, like that was, oh, that was my bad. Like I did not want that outcome. Shoot. Mm -hmm. And it like almost immediately
3: transports
1: me to those previous times in my life. Granted, it was under the context of purity culture sometimes where I was just like so shame ridden and like beating myself up and like completely unable to cut myself some slack, cut myself some grace. Be like. Yeah. Well, don't do that again. I don't know. Like, there's no changing that. So, just move on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really hard to do. Like, it's kind of, I don't know exactly how to teach it to people. Like, I kind of, to be honest, I don't really know how, like, how I learned it. Like, did I just pick that up from Jesus or what? But, I don't know. Well, and
0: that's what my joke, that's what my joke is about youth pastors. Like, this is the main thing youth pastors want to make sure they teach their high schoolers. Because... I think a psychologically healthy person will feel moments of guilt, you know, like Josh, what you're talking about, but being formed by this sanctifying grace, like being constantly reminded of it and like building a theology upon grace because it's the thing we should constantly be reminding ourselves that exists because that is like the positive thing. That's not nearly as sticky as the negative thing. You know, people talk about like Teflon and, uh, Velcro, like how negativity, negativity bias. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, of course we should remind ourselves of grace all the time. And, but maybe that cycle is the healthiest. It's actually healthy for us to be aware of because otherwise, like if you didn't feel any guilt about anything,
1: is that psychopathic sociopathic? I always, yeah, basically it's, I mean, it's also like very narcissistic too. Mm -hmm. Like assuming that you're just doing everything right.
0: Yeah, and also grace always comes with that one-two punch of, like, a dose of humility. Like, humility is wrapped up into grace in a way because, like, in order to accept the gift of grace, you have to recognize that you probably need it. Mm.
2: So, I I have a question, and this is because this was not my experience or upbringing. In purity culture, was grace talked about as frequently as you say, like, now?
0: I think it was, and maybe that's what's resonating with me when I, when I say every youth pastor was teaching this, or at least my youth pastor was, because it was like purity culture prime primetime, mm-hmm. and I guess maybe that was the primary arena that we were talking about it. Like, of course, a small group full of boys, like, that's all we're going to talk about.
2: Right. What about you, Josh? Honestly,
1: I honestly can't remember. Um, it's hard for me to put my finger on it. Uh, granted i know that i didn't grow up with like as deep of a (laughs) purity culture as some other people experienced Mm, but mm -hmm. i mean like i remember growing up like people talking about like grace and love and like god forgives you for what you've done like no matter what you've done but i think that like that is talked about in tandem so often with like total depravity and like so many people just like love focusing on like well you like messed Mm -hmm. up But, like, that's so, like, kind of like, oh, kind of like I was saying on our last episode, like, just establishing something as immoral, like, is not enough. (laughs)
2: Right. (laughs) You gotta back that up. Like,
1: even if you can, like, back it up with a good argument and be like, well, I'm gonna make this case and, like, actually make an argument that this is wrong for these reasons. Like, even that alone, I don't think is enough. Like, you have to, like, decide where you're gonna go from there. And I think that that's the difficulty that a lot of people have found in purity culture or, like, some of the movements that really harp on total depravity is like, okay, well, so what? Like, sure, maybe those are wrong, but like, what then? Like, what, what's God's response? What, what's my response? What am I supposed to do? And I, in some ways, like, that's why I can appreciate a concept like grace because, like, I think it's just like a dead end to be like, well, you're just totally depraved and, like, you're just the worst <laughs> human ever. Like, God <laughs> almost hates you. It's so bad. <laughs> or, or some people even, like, believe that God does hate you. <laughs> You're just matchsticks. You're just matchsticks for hell. Yeah, <laughs> and like i that's why I can get on board with like the concept of grace, and I think that yeah. that's why it's so resonant for some people, and like often causes cognitive dissonance in some people when they like look at their churches that they are or have been a part of, and be like, "Well, like you weren't acting that out very well," and it's I think it's because like the concept of grace is so sticky. Like it's a mm-hmm. great idea. It's so radical. Like oh my gosh like treat others as better than yourself like are you kidding me and i think that like the radicalness of it is inspiring yeah especially knowing that like we will never be able to do it perfectly yeah i don't know it's interesting to me still but i also still dislike how ubiquitous of a meaning it has Mm -hmm. usually
2: i yeah i can i'm i'm with you there reframe it as a
1: mystical word (laughs) and then you'll be okay
2: Right, because that's the answer for everything. <laughs> yeah,
0: just make it squishier.
2: That's <laughs> that's a bad. Squishy enough.
0: That's a bad characterization of mysticism.
2: <laughs> I shouldn't
0: say that,
2: but it works. Hey, it's what we have. Okay. Well, I don't really know where else to go. I think we have a. I think we, as individuals, as well as a community and as a people, while it could be. Either daunting or boring or maybe unnecessary at times. I think it is worth exploring more the concept of grace because if we are not actually going to live into this identity as Christians and actually like see grace abounding and showing mercy and love while also ensuring that we don't perpetuate or enable harm or I don't want to say evil, but you know what I mean? I I think we have a lot of work to do, and I think we need to kind of wrestle with the idea of grace in our life and grace in the world. So thank you for indulging me for, you know, for a good chunk of time. Do you guys have any last thoughts or ahas or no ahas?
1: <laughs> um, I do admit that I feel particularly challenged to have grace and accommodation for people whose beliefs I no longer relate to that I once did mm. or people who like I've just I like completely disagree with and I think that their views are in fact harmful and abusive and like it's difficult for me to humanize those people sometimes mm. yeah and I think that that's why, like, this concept of grace, like, is, is still so intriguing and inspiring to me because, like, I do recognize, like, where I am not having that attitude. hmm I don't know. I was just, like, thinking about that, like, the, like, differences between beliefs, especially, like, within Christianity. So that's kind of what I'm left thinking about.
2: Nice.
0: Uh, I'm sitting with the tune by Sleeping At Last in his Enneagram series. Of course, it's from one. But the lyric in the chorus is, I spent my whole life searching desperately to find out that grace requires nothing of me. Mm. And like every, like, oh man, every time I think about that phrase, it just, I don't know, it just lands on me so gently and delicately and like, oh yes, it requires nothing of me. And part of me is Mm. like kind of pissed off that that's the case because I would like to earn it. I would like the chance to earn it.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: But, like, coming to terms with how wildly radical grace is, just like Josh said, like, coming to terms with that is also, like, releasing my grip on, well, just let me prove it. Let me prove that I'm worthy of it.
2: Mm, mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. that's That's my closer. Nice. Emily, do you have a closer for us? A blessing? Say grace, as it were. Grace. Okay, nice.
2: Just kidding. No, I have one. And uh, I, I guess I... This is the end of the episode. All right, bye. Grace, love, mercy, compassion, however or whatever you define that thing, just know that we owe it to ourselves to explore that and to show it and understand it and to know that we are raveling this out and we may have it figured out. You know I haven't figured out. But that's the joy of this journey that we are embarking on together.
0: Emily, you use the word owe it to ourselves in there. And I don't know how I feel about that after talking about deserve.
1: Well, I don't know. Maybe we do deserve grace. Like maybe that's the point of the gospel. Maybe that's what God's trying to communicate. Like Stephen, you keep mentioning like the point of the gospel is that God is showing us that we've always been good. Like trying to show us the good side of our humanity because we know that we are up. Yeah. Mm. And maybe that's what God is trying to approach us with. Boom. I don't know. I wonder if anyone makes that argument that way.
0: I feel pretty maybe. convinced of it. I guess I'd make the argument that way. Yeah. I, suppose.
2: I would say you would. <laughs> yeah, the universalist <laughs> should
0: say grace is owed. That might. Well. Right? Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yes. Ode, man, ode still feels like a weird word to me. Ode and deserved. I don't know that it, it sounds it still sounds
1: too transactional. I mean, that's the point of the upside down kingdom, right? Like, yeah, not repaying evil with evil, but repaying good instead. Exactly. It's like reverse economics of the kingdom. Like everyone loves talking about that. But then like we don't like practice it. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't actually like fully explicitly come to the conclusion that like you owe grace to people. They deserve it because of God. I'm going to stand by Emily's quote. I like wow, it. Wow, dang. Thank all right. you,
2: Josh. Thank you. No. Did I just I'll,
1: convince him you back in, into universalism? I'll accept yes. it.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
1: I just, <laughs>
0: I just feel a, I always just feel a hesitance or like an aversion to transactional words like deserve mm. and oh and all that. And I think that's, just, it's, just, it's a gut reaction thing, but I think, I think you're reframing
1: it in a way that I'm becoming comfortable with.
2: There you go. Mm. There you go.
1: I mean, I'm like reminded of uh, Greg Boyd's example again for pacifism. Of like, oh yeah, like what if my what if the person holding a gun to my son's he- my wife's head is my son? I owe love to both of them yeah. somehow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Right.
2: There you go.
1: And that is
0: a different that is a different framing of the word "oh" because, like, I like my my gut just goes to like what I really like you dislike. Like for it? It's right. what I really dislike about penal substitution mm. through yeah. in atonement, right?
2: I'm right there with you, trust me.
0: But yeah, I think a reframing is due for those words for me to kind of get it out of that
2: Well, like, due accounting. can be transactional too, so meh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'll drink to that. I'll drink
3: to that. All right, well, end of episode. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to No Normal People. I'm Steven.
2: And I'm Dixie Lee. The internet didn't need another podcast interviewing the same famous authors, artists, and thought leaders.
0: Dixie, my friend Bailey educated me about a word called Sonder, and this is the realization that any stranger or passerby you see has a life equally complex, deep, and vibrant as your own. So join us every Tuesday as we talk to the normal people in our lives and hopefully inspire Sonder in yours.
2: No normal people. It's like Humans of New York, but a podcast and in Montana. Highline Media Network, artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.